now I'm very excited to get to today's uh, program. Um, we have Sohaib and Ian who are going to talk about, um, I think it's an exciting angle we haven't talked about. We haven't had an API company before, FinTech's hot. And I think you know, you've got to come here with a couple of second-time founders or serial entrepreneurs. So let's start off. So, hey, I'd love you to introduce yourself. Give us like the 90-second background on where you were before you started or how you got to Rails. Uh, absolutely. So I'm a two-time founder. The first company was in uh, the transportation space uh, built out of right here in Toronto. Van Hawks was a very viral campaign I ran. Kickstarter raised a little over $800,000, shipped the product to 42 countries and sold it to a tier one manufacturer here in Ontario, Warren Industries. Um, the second run was a much shorter run. Um, it was in the energy sector, um, Tesla Powerwall for emerging markets. Uh, that ran exceeded uh, within six months because the software was bought out right away by our partner down in Dubai. Um, and then I joined a company called PartnerSec. Uh, they're in the PRM space. And that's when I stumbled upon the whole idea of Rails. Uh, PartnerSec's biggest uh, uh, account is uh, QuickBooks. And I started working on white-level marketplace for provisioning APIs for third-party companies to come in and list uh, in that ecosystem. And while I was doing that, I realized there's 600 apps on top of QuickBooks which are uh, building and want to enlist in that ecosystem. But more than that, the more I started talking to those customers, I realized they needed access to this data. Uh, you know, the data that sits inside QuickBooks is the core of their business. It's not their core competency, but it's very vital to how they build this product. And just getting access to this data is not enough. It needs to be defined in a way that they can use it right away, deployed in, uh, you know, in an afternoon and start building on top. So kind of like plaid for accounting. And uh, cool. I stumbled upon it, met my founder, Ron, and Derek back in January, and we ran with the idea. So I'm gonna get back to that founding story in a bit. Before we do, I'd love to hear about Ian. Ian, um, I know you didn't start your life as a venture capitalist, so tell us your journey and how you get, you how you got to Vestigo. Yeah, thanks so much, Alex. It's, it's great to be with you uh, today, and, and hello to everyone, and thanks for joining. Um, yeah, my story is is one of an operator. So I spent started my career uh, in New York on Wall Street, uh, worked my way through college on the New York Stock Exchange as a wire clerk in the days when it was actually uh, the job of almost a sophisticated waiter. It was a paper environment, um, a low tech environment. We actually had to beep the broker onto the floor who would pick up a phone and we would, you know, quickly uh, deliver uh, the information. And I handled about 60 institutional wires at that time. It sounds nice and relaxing. Yeah, it's well. We've come a long way, right? And I think it's it's um, it, for me, it's full circle having gone as a you know 35 years as an operator, really in the space between asset management, uh, insurance and technology, um, and wealth in the wealth space, and having some innovations along the way. My father was a Bell Labs uh, engineer, and so I thought having patents and brass plaques on the wall was a great way to run a career. So I have a few of those to my name, but nobody would do that today. You'd start a company. Um, and so it's great now after, you know, 35 years in business now to be on the other side and work with just amazing entrepreneurs um, that are, are changing the, the global financial uh, landscape. So maybe just before I ask, we'll uh, ask Sohaib about the founding story. Tell us a bit more about Vestigo. I think you, you helped co-found it. What's your thesis? You're based in Boston. You know, what's the, you know, unique about Vestigo? Yeah, so thank you for asking. Uh, Vestigo is an early stage uh, fintech investor and fintech broadly that includes insurance as well. 
um, across North America. We are headquartered in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, um, right across from the MIT campus. And um, we essentially are operators and entrepreneurs that have come together uh, under a common vision, but using big data as a tool and machine learning to help us source great companies, underwrite those companies, and help empower those companies that once we're invested in it. Um, I'm surrounded by a, a phenomenal team. Um, my general partners, uh, Dave Blunden, who we'd like to call him the cool one because he's on the XPRIZE committee and a serial entrepreneur, having created several unicorn companies to his name and a unique lab in Cambridge that we participate in, uh, in the data. In fact, we, we uh, work with uh, essentially 15 petabytes of clickstream data and unique predictive algorithms and visualization tools that allow us to really identify these companies uh, that we see across North America, including Canada. Um, my other partner, Mark Cassidy, um, uh, really set the vision in Boston, uh, having ran one of the largest fintechs in the United States, uh, LPL Financial, which created the uh, technology stack to empower advisors to, to deliver consumers who were uh, clients who are in the investment and savings uh, side of the world. Uh, also, uh, part of Vesco is Mike Nugent, uh, an entrepreneur who built an analytics company, Fraser Anderson, who uh, is our uh, connection to Canada, deeper connection. Uh, Fraser went to McGill University. Okay, didn't uh, know that. Yeah, no, was, and he's our data scientist and he's brilliant, um, ha having helped build uh, some of our unique uh, capabilities we call XPLR, but think machine learning against a massive amount of data. Um, so that, that brings Vestigo together uh, and we're growing. We started our first fund four years ago, um, early stage, uh, C to A, um, very similar to every entrepreneur who will be listening today. We went on a founder's journey while we put in you know, 5 million of, of general partner money and um, we raised the rest of it on our own. And unlike my corporate days when I was building funds, I could go to a board and ask for 50 or 100 million with an in-depth presentation and 15, 20 minutes later walk out with that capital. Raising a fund is a little different <laughs> and it's a lot more humbling, very similar to, so hey, we'll share with you the journey of an entrepreneur. So we raised our first fund successfully four years ago at 60 million. Uh, we invested in uh, 20 great companies um, and we started in our in our very last investment, number 20, uh, Rails. Well, so uh, that's so the one that's going to make the fund, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we started our second fund, uh, raising right as COVID hit. And so experienced what it means to engage in uh, new uh, investors and invest through this visual technology that we're using today. And so we're excited now that fund two is on its way and Three investments have been made and uh, 80 million of, of, uh, of the fund has been raised and we'll close the fund at the end of the year. That's awesome success. And I love hearing, you know, many founders forget funds are startups too. Uh, yeah. A couple of questions from an audience. One was Jason saying, if, if your partner is a cool one, what do they refer to you as Ian? <laughs> uh, the operator. So operator. I, I, yeah. So think of me as, as really as that operator lens and, and you know, while we have data that gives us this unique ability to source and underwrite and understand markets and, and dynamics, we, to, to our thesis, to come back to the question that you had asked, as an early stage investor, core to our thesis was understanding that 
financial the financial landscape is is in an evolution and needs to change, particularly as it relates to delivering services at a at a lower cost, using data to eliminate the friction points, and then ultimately design and delight and improve the outcome for the customer. And so that's really core to our thesis. As an operator, I think part of the value that I bring to Vestigo is as we go through our due diligence process, we're talking to the incumbents that ultimately are gonna partner with Rails. And uh, we wanna understand early in that due diligence process, how incumbents are thinking. Because core to our thesis is that the incumbents will need to partner with these early stage fintech and tech type companies. So in our due diligence process, we're really trying to understand whether it's banking, insurance, brokerage, you go down the line, how are financial institutions thinking about this next set, this next set of delivery and services? Are they willing to partner? Are they trying to build it on their own? Uh, or are they, they trying to buy it? And what are the strategic drivers? That so that's, that's very have? interesting. So I think we'll, hopefully they'll come back up as we talk about how your partnership with uh, Rails is going. One last question I'm gonna, I'm gonna before I head back to question for Sohaib, um, Alan was asking, how does one company get on uh, Vestigo's ML radar? So I guess, how do you hack so that <laughs> you get into your, your pipeline? How do you hack the pipeline? You yeah, how do you, yeah, you can. So, so well, essentially we are looking at data across North America. So that's the United States and Canada. Um, and we have unique panels of, of early adopters um, across web browsing and email that that have opted into these panels that allow us to observe clickstream behavior, um, and so we're able to see that. So think of those early adopters as one, you know, four million plus people, and then through pixel placement, we're able to pick up essentially about 860 million digital profiles across U.S. and Canada. We're able to timestamp and bring back to that together to understand who who are those people. It's multiple devices, multiple email addresses, but essentially it's you know, 230 million plus people. So now we get into a unique algorithm that actually started, and it's relevant to talk about it a little bit today under COVID. There was a Harvard epidemiology study that developed the math to look at cohorts of individuals, the extroverts and the introverts on campus and see how virus spread. Um, one of the data scientists at the time, now the, the running Kogo Labs, um, saw that that math plus a little extra special sauce from his mathematics background would be able to build a predictive algorithm to look at the early adopters in our database and everyone else and predict at a very high accuracy rate the next probability of virality of an IP address. That's just a starting point. We go much deeper into analytic tools to really understand SEO, SEM, customer acquisition costs where we can get it, and really the dynamics of a marketplace asking the question who's winning and who's losing and using data in the quant side of it, as well as the qualitative side of reaching out to understand you know, it, it, the answers to those questions. Cool, and I, I think we'll, we'll talk, talk a bit about later about how that played into Rails or if it didn't, because I think Rails is a bit early. So I'm gonna flip back to Sohaib. So you found the two co-founders, you had an idea. Tell me a bit more how you convinced, how the three of you decided to work together and the backgrounds, because I think Compared to other teams, you're a very um, experienced team. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And thanks for asking, Alex. Uh, hi, hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> once again, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of an unusual story. It's, it's, it's the story of stars aligning together. So I met Ron back in September 
of 2019 through a common denominator here in Toronto Union Capital. Um, I, I just started half talking with him on a regular basis across uh, the street from my old workplace. Uh, we used to uh, meet at a coffee shop and, you know, Ron would tell me everything that he is coming across in the city. And then, uh, you know, as part of those discussions, one day I was having a conversation with Ron and, you know, I, I'm telling him a story of the problem that I'm seeing through the whole QuickBooks ecosystem that companies need access to it. Uh, and we know that API is, they're nothing new, but the whole new API economy, because, you know, we're moving from, uh, you know, serverless applications uh, into the cloud computing, and that's a massive push. And we all know that you know, softwares are now amalgamation of different APIs. Um, and I'm telling him the story and Ron's like, hold on, we need to, you need to talk to this guy. Uh, <laughs> and Ron's face was like he was having a heart attack or something. Uh, probably, you know, <laughs> he had this whole thing going on. Uh, you need to talk to Derek. He's like, who's Derek? He's like, he's a top five mathematician here in Canada. He's a very brilliant guy. Is build this company called Coral. Maybe you know he has a software that that that, that you're referring to. He can onboard a business in under ten minutes and and make a decision. So so we met Derek back in January, and you know we started talking about plat for accounting. And the big thing was how do we convince Derek's current set of investors who have given money in Coral, and how do we take Derek out of Coral into Rails as a CTO? Because there's no point of acquiring technology if the builder of the technology is not with you. Um, so it, it, it's more of alignment of stars uh, in terms of experience operators. Uh, there is upside and downside to it. The upside is that you know you're working with all eight personalities. Uh, it's it's sometimes a little bit hard to to get everybody on alignment, but it's also a very um, a productive conversation. Uh, you get to know a lot of your blind spots at the end of the day, and and you know you have so much experience on the table across the board. Um, uh, so far, I think uh, over the time we have shown uh, either go-to-market strategy, uh, putting a round together, uh, pushing a product out. Um, uh, uh, there's no babysitting at the end of the day, uh, you know, and that's what I like building companies with uh, with experienced operators. So, so stars align. You guys came together. You've all had experience building companies or seeing companies scale, and you're building this API for accounting. You know. How did you approach it differently because you had experience? Did you guys go to fundraise right away? Did you go get, build a product? Did you get clients? And and yeah, so what was different because you you, you know your experience and how do you think that helped you? Yeah, we, we started with a problem first uh, rather than, hey, here's a product and let's try to fit it in the problem. I, I think that's the biggest mistake that, that new entrepreneurs make. Make a product first and then they start hunting for, hey, is there a problem? I think it was a flip side. Um, I, I saw the problem while I was going to the marketplace as part of my last gig and saw that there's an ecosystem of apps who, who need access to this data. And then Derek, uh, you know, he built Coral and he built this software as, as a function of onboarding and making processes better at Coral. Um, so he saw it as a problem as well. Um, so once we had the problem and, you know, wrong the common denominator between Derek and I to pull, pull the team together, um, we actually went to our network. Um, of, of companies in the fintech space as well as in the banking space uh, to see if uh, you know there is a product market fit. It's a product that uh, you know the companies uh, who are who are in the ecosystem are actually going to buy. Um, and we actually got a tremendous uh, feedback um, from, from all the all the companies who are, who are in the space. Um, and our thesis was that small business we started with a lending use case that the small business loan origination is notoriously 
cost and effective for most lenders. And the result is that many banks, and we've seen that have ceded market share to fintech players like Fairbank. Um, uh, if rails have existed, you know, we would have had, uh, you know, them uh, still be alive. And with COVID, you know, they're being pushed to go digital and not have these grants open. But also on the flip side, we've seen that in the fintechs, you know, fintechs like Lending Club have recently exited this space due to high operational costs and low profitability. You know, a solution like Rails can actually flip the top of the funnel, save them costs, onboard customer faster, because what fintechs are doing today, uh, Alex says, uh, the first evolution of this API is software to human. You extract data out using your API, and then you hand it over to data scientists to clean it, parse it. A lot of hours are wasted. It's still manual intervention. What Rails is trying to do is move away from software to human interaction and go to software to software interaction. We pull this data, clean it, parse it, normalize it, and hand it over to the decision-making algorithm, engine, or whatever the case is. So you can actually make that decision really fast, whether it's from days to seconds, weeks to minutes, months to hours. You know, so, so that's the approach that we're taking, and that's a problem we're solving. We saw it massively, we validated it, before we actually knock on the doors of our investors and say, hey, this is a problem that exists. It's a team which is experienced. It's a real problem. And we have a product that is actually going to solve this. So let's rally the troops together and pour uh, you know, a little bit of funding into it and, and, and start the growth phase. So I want to get into that in a minute, but I just want to take a step back. And I, I really appreciate your answer for everyone that's listening. What I hear is you went back and said, hey, what is the problem we're trying to solve? And then you validated it. And you pushed what it was demand. Right, so I, I think right away when you go to raise money, you're ahead of like 95% of first-time founders and are just founders, right? Usually it's like, hey, we have a few customers, we have a, we have a, we have a technology, but you said, here's a problem, validate it. There's a reason it adds value. So now let's get to the side of fundraise. Um, I think you, when I think, you know, so hey, you, you've been, you're really well connected. Um, you were in Founder Fuel, so you know the Montreal ecosystem. Van Hawks went through YC. You've had a couple of exits. Ron knows lots of people. Um, how do you approach fundraising differently? Like, and what were you trying to achieve? Uh, was it just, hey, let's go get a quick round to get done? You know, what, what, when you started this out, what was your, what was your mentality, and what, how are you going to run the process? Yeah, the thinking was really so we reverse engineered everything, and we said. What is it that we're going to need over the next 24 months? What do we want to achieve over the next 24 months? And how much money is that going to take us to get uh, to the goals that we're going to set for 24 months? What is the buffer that we need to build in if, if we don't make any money? Uh, you know, and we need to go back and see you know, if we can do a bridge. So all those questions we put on the table uh, before we started going to, to seek funding. The second thing, Alex, that we wanted to do in this round is diversify because I truly believe that seed round is amalgamation of partners coming together and helping you, you know, give you either a gut check or show you the blind spots that you're in. Because sometimes, you know, as operators, we, we go in a straight line and, and, and not want to see what's, what's on the left and right. So, so the idea was how do we bring in a uh, investors who play in the fintech ecosystem? Our customer are fintech. So the portfolio matters to us a lot. Uh, interest matters to us a lot. Um, and lastly, we wanted to work with operators rather than just, uh, you know, hey, here's a check and we were selling investors. So we didn't want that. Um, so that was a thesis um, and that we put together to, to start raising money. 
initially, we started at a lower valuation because of COVID. We heard a lot of news coming from, from the investment side that you know we're looking after our current portfolios. We're not investing in the new ones. Contrary to the belief, I, I went to my founders and said, hey, we're not raising on a $6 million. We're raising on a different. And I was very bullish on it, and I was able to convince them. But we, we ended up doing it at a much, much higher valuation because of the oversubscription of the round. And I think it caused a little bit more, uh, about that as well. I want to hear about the oversubscription. But first, I want to take a step back. And you know, Vesco is based in Cambridge. Um, I think you initially did like, let's go play the value game, like, um, and let's talk to VCs there. How did the two of you meet each other? And you know, how did Rails get on Vesico's, um, Vesico's uh, screen? Because I, I don't think it was a machine learning because it's not out there, right? And <laughs> and then how did you meet? Like, tell me the story about how the two of you met. So yeah, uh, so, uh, so Ian, uh, why don't you start Ian, over? Yeah, so I, first I'll start with um, Canada does a phenomenal job of outreach, um, and particularly in Boston, um, Boston and, and Canada has had a, an amazing relationship through the Trade Commission. Um, and in this case specifically, um, one of our partners, uh, uh, Fraser Anderson, who who went to McGill, uh, also participates participates sorry at the Halt Accelerator. Okay. Um, and in this case, it was Andrew Maker from the Canadian Trade Commissioner introduced uh, Rails uh, to us. Uh, so so he uh, to us, and that's where the conversation started. So it was not data driven. But um, every deal, whether it comes from our network or from our machines, goes through that analytics stack. And then, so, hey, but I'd like to hear how you made that connection. So you actually, the government actually helped out here. So tell me how, because like, I I know they have like CTAs. Is that what the program was? Or was it a, tell me. What yeah, so, so this, is, this is that unusual story that we can say that government actually helps. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, so our founder, Ron, uh, you know, he's, he's very active in terms of going out of his own circle and find, you know, when we talk about founders and, uh, you know, the curious mind, the hacker mind, the resourceful mind, I think that's what applies here. So, uh, yes, I have connections in, in, in the Valley, but Ron went out, you know, he's like, hey, we need to leverage what's at our hand in terms of uh, uh, the government. And he's the one who actually found Fraser and introed uh, him to me. And, and and from there on, you know, we we, we just took off. Uh, you know. So uh, I'm going to actually just pull a question from our audience, uh, from either of you. Um, so Eric just asked. Uh, so I mentioned seeking funds to cover 24 months of runway. What is the most common acceptable runway period for uh, that founders aim to cover? So uh, for pre-seed seed funds. So say I'd love to get your reaction. Why 24 months? And Ian, what are you seeing in the market? So either so I'm going to say why 24 months was the magic number for you. Yeah, so think of uh, think of a startup life equivalent to a dog's life. You know, the years in dog life are they're multiplying with human life. The so same same goes for the for the startup. So a year for us is is typically five years of work for a big uh, you know kahuna or a white whale. Um, it it really comes down to what we want to achieve very aggressively with the resources we have and the team we have. There are things you can just solve by throwing money at it, and, and we know it. Uh, but there are things that you can solve by throwing money at it. So, so we take all that equation in, in place and see what type of growth are we going to experience before we look back and say, hey, we're cash flow positive and we can keep pumping um, uh, on the trajectory that we are. Or what is, what is the next step that we want to achieve so we can get ready for the next round of financing? Uh, you know, 
whether the North Star is just customer acquisition, and then we'll worry about the revenue after, whether the North Star is just the revenue. So a couple of things you need to put in place. I think for us, um, I, I don't speak uh, broadly about every single company because it's very unique. There's no size fit, one size fits all. We thought that 24 months is the right time to actually uh, prove some of the, uh, you know, the pieces uh, that we have. Um, and that's, that's how we landed on that. And Ian, what, what do you see? What do you like to see? Like what's too short, what's too long? Yeah, uh, with pandemic, 24 months is great. Um, Pre-pandemic, we, you know, we would see companies that, and again, I think, so I said it well, each company is on its own journey. And as they're thinking about it, and as an investor, we want to be able to see, even at the early stage, that there is a path to revenue. Um, within some period of time against that burn rate, against the, the, the funding that we're creating. So it could be as as uh, as tight as a year, but a year to 24 months. And now I think with the pandemic, 24 months is ideal yeah. uh, way to think about it. Cool. Um, now let's get back to uh, the Rails fundraise while I've got you talking in. So this came in through an unusual channel, doesn't come in through the, like the machine learning. So what intrigued you and why did you spend more time uh, looking at the deal, what got you excited? Well, I think, you know, in, in every case, you'll hear this probably across every venture capitalist, but, um, you know, the, the problem they're solving is big, but we saw a unique team. You know, each in the each has had their own journey, um, but coming together, what we saw was a really unique combination of diverse backgrounds that uh, around a big problem that could make a big difference. And that was probably the first exciting point for us. And then it continued through the due diligence. Now, keep in mind, this was, um, for us, an investment made purely through visual. We weren't able to come up and visit. Yeah. And, and as much as we're quants and love data, we're also very relationship orientated. And so taking the time to, to get to know founders and make sure there's a real synergy in how we operate and how what their needs are is important to us. And so... Um, I would tell you the Rails team, you know, Derek and Ron, so he just did a brilliant job in their divert, you know, they're in their different locations, but on one screen, and they had to convince us that they really understood what they were solving for and how they were going to do it. Um, and, you know, here we are three boxes on a screen right now. Those three boxes um, of, of these amazing individuals really came across and, and convinced us this was uh a company that we wanted to invest. These were people we wanted to invest in. And so, hey, you know, you, you mentioned that the round got oversubscribed. So, tell us a bit how what how it became oversubscribed, especially you were raising during COVID. And then, how did you choose Ian and the other investors that you chose? Yeah. So we actually had multiple term sheets from tier one uh, investors out in the valley as well. Um, and there's there's quite a lot of debate in-house between the founders that why do you want to go with them versus why do you want to go with Ian? It really came down to the Vestigo team actually took time to know us. You know, we got on like multiple calls with them, with Ian, with Fraser. You know, it wasn't it, it wasn't just a shotgun wedding, even though it happened on Zoom. I think the frequency of of meetings that we did over time was uh, it, it outpaced everybody else. Uh, the other VCs were actually putting term sheets in front of us, like maybe one or two meetings. And the question mark was, do we really know the partner who's going to work with us, who's going to be part of our board or not? Um, even though, you know, some, some valuation was high, some valuation was lower. So there, there's a trade-off that we made and, and said, you know, 
what's Ian and team worth to us at the end of the day? Um, and, and, and we decided to go with them. In terms of oversubscribing the round, <clears throat> I think it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a year of the API, Alex. <laughs> you know, 2020. Um, we we see an opportunity. So uh, let me. So MX and Plaid uh, and companies in the banking space they did a phenomenal job in tapping into a financial repository, which wasn't tapping before. Yes, Yodli was there, but you know, a cool new kid came on the block and really flipped everything around. We think that there there's a financial repository outside the bank, which is Stylo and payroll. Uh, you know, POS, uh, payments, et cetera. But there's a common denominator of all this financial repository, which flows into one. That's the accounting repository. There's a backdoor into the POS. There's a backdoor into the bank because every accounting system is connected to the bank. There's a backdoor into the, into the POS system. And we're tapping into that. And we believe it's not just extracting the data. It's actually refining and making use of that meaningful data. We're, we're not the extractor, you know, we're not the crude oil pumpers. We are actually the refinery, you know, just like well, you're not going to put crude off. oil into the car, you know, we refine this data, normalize it, not just on the file level, but we don't just do flat file. We go deeper into the accounting level to make sure that, you know, when, when I talk about from software to human uh, and moving to software to software, that's exactly what Rails is doing. We're moving away from human interaction and using our machine learning algorithm so that data is clean, parsed, coming out, and developers can start building on top of us to a point where we do come across where MX and Plaid, they play in the SME space, uh, you know, and they're not really good at it. So we are capturing that market. We're, we're doing a really good job. They're great in the consumer market. So, so we believe there's a next whole cohort of applications in the small, medium enterprise space or in the business space to service the financial services. They're going to be built on top of an API infrastructure. Rails is the right one to do it. And, and, and we firmly, firmly believe it. I think that was a conviction that we got a lot of uh, the players around the table convinced around that. And we are the right team to do it. Um, and that's when the interest started to grow and grow and grow. Uh, we actually had, I think, $5 million on the table at point when, when we had to trim it down to three, uh, which, was, which was a good, good, good problem to solve. Horrible situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what I hear is pick the right market and have the right team and fundraising is easy. Let's want to pick on one thing there. Um, you said vesicle was a relationship. It was um, getting to know each other. So why is that important? And for, for either you, Ian or Sohaib, you, you can start like, why it, isn't it just money? Like, why, why do you care about who's on the other side? It's not just money. It's it's a relationship. Um, and as an early stage investor, yes, we're we're writing that first check, but we plan and reserve in our fund uh, additional monies for future investments as the team, um, you know, grows and 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 performs. And so that's really important to us. And so this is not a short-term relationship. And for us, it. It, it really does matter that not only the relationship is there, but that we bring value beyond capital. If it was just about capital, then you're not going to see us invest. But if we can add value based on our experience um, and, and collective experience, it's not just, you know, Ian Sheridan. It's, it's a team at Vestigo that has a very diverse set of, of views uh, as it relates to the world and network. And we try to bring that to whoever's sitting at the seat of the table at Vestigo. You're getting the collective intelligence from the team. Um, I talk about Rails every 
week formally, informally every day uh, with my team. And so if there are things that, you know, whether it's Mike Nugent or Frazier or Dave London or, or Mark Cassidy has, has an idea that would help, then I'm going to bring that forward. And so, so relationships really do matter. So I'm going to yeah. play a different version of this question to you. So, so I heard from Ian, it's relationships are important. It's because it's more than capital. I'm going to help you out. So what are the expectations from your end on what, what Vesicle is going to make? How, how are you going to make a difference between now and the next round? Yeah, so I'll, I'll step back a little bit more and, and talk about the whole round uh, uh, compilation. We went after investors, uh, you know, who would actually help us in the BD expansion from day one. How do we not spend, uh, you know, dime dollar on the marketing and really leverage our network because fintechs are going to buy it from us. If we had to, if it wasn't for a relationship, Alex, I, I would go to a bank and just raise a line of credit. If you are working with investors, you know, it's not about money because money you can get from banks. I know Ron, Derek, and myself, we, we have that kind of leverage to at least pull in some, some investment to start working. But it wasn't just about the money. It was about who's coming on the table in uh, uh, joining our board. That was very important for us to, to, to know him, uh, how he is as an operator, what type of dynamics he's going to bring to the table how he's going to add a lot more value than just Derek or myself bringing to the table. You know, we talk about building team and, and talk about how do we bring the next person who's a hundred X better than myself, than Derek, than Ron or anybody else in the team. So we make ourselves better. So that was, that was the biggest question that was uh, on our minds. Um, and hence we, 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 we took our time to know uh, Ian and, 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 and Mark and, and, and Fraser, um, and, and we got ourselves comfortable and, and we made a decision to, to go with the team at Vestigo. Okay, so uh, let me add one thing, Alex. They are not shy. Ron called me when he needs an introduction. And if I haven't moved fast enough, yeah. which we pride ourselves on speed, but um, it is, it, there's, there's a great relationship there. And, you know, we challenge each other, right? That's yeah. and to be better. I, I don't think I've ever heard the word Ron and shy in the same sentence before. <laughs> no, so, yeah. absolutely not. Um, you know, uh, just conscious of the time. So I want a couple of quick questions. What, you know, what's happened since this round's closed? Uh, you know, I think you closed, my guess is, you know, in the summer. So what, what have you done? So the round closes and how, how's, what have you guys focused on and what's the relationship with you guys since? Yeah, for, for us, it was, Derek building this software himself uh, with, with, with one or two contractors and taking a big heavy lift. Um, we're able to be a engineering team for him at least. Um, we have uh, a little over 20 companies in our sandbox actually using the product today, um, live uh, in, in the production environment. Um, Ron has a massive uh, inbound list. We haven't spent a penny in marketing you know, a massive list of inbound companies coming to us. Uh, so now that we're ready to convert them, that's, that's the next step that we're doing. So team is the first thing that we wanted to achieve. Uh, you know, Alex, hiring is one of the hardest pain points of a uh, startup, finding the right people for the right job. Um, I'm not shy of hiring fast, but I'm also not shy of firing fast. Um, uh, so we did that as well. So we, we let go one of our internal engineers uh, because we weren't happy with that. So team is, team is the first one that we did product and then revenue. Uh, our North Star is a customer at the end of the day, you know, because we're proving that we're going to build an ecosystem on top of us. Uh, you know, 
And we're not going to prove that without, uh, you know, a lot of companies using us. And one of the analogies that, that I use is our product is equivalent to a toothbrush. People will use it twice a day, every day. You know, it's a sticky product. Uh, it's not just going to uh, sit on the, on the shelves. It's going to be the core of the company because a smart API product is something which is going to be core of the business, but not compete with the core competencies of the business. Interesting. And Ian, um, what, you know, other than Ron calling you asking probably for leads every two days, what else, how, what, how have you helped out since the rounds closed? Yeah, I mean, the, listen, the, the problem they're solving is big, it's global, um, and has only been exasperated, particularly in the U.S., by a low interest rate environment um, and, a, and a, through the pandemic, a desire of financial institutions to reduce costs and a unit cost across their business models and, and eliminate friction across their digital strategies. Um, and so, you know, getting the team in place, getting, get, seeing them get into their normalized lanes uh, as they come together and build the product, um, you know, has been important to us as well as, 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 you know, focusing the strategy. The problem is so big, you know, let's, let's focus where Rails can be most successful today. Um, and those conversations have been extremely meaningful. And I can't say enough, a team like Rails that has come together with the experiences that they've had, um, it's been phenomenal to watch them come together um, against a really big problem. Um, and so we're just excited to be part of the journey and to help them. Cool. I'm going to have now two quick questions for both of you. Um, one, we, so have you mentioned it was a year of the API. T today's announcement where the Plaid uh, acquisition is getting pushed back on and challenged, is that, do you think that changes the perception of APIs? And Ian, is from, especially from an investor perspective, I'd like both your reactions to that news. Go ahead. I, it, it doesn't change the perception um, of APIs um, because at the end of the day, we're moving from uh, deployed servers to, to cloud computing. And if we have to move to cloud computing, uh, you know, the new software is going to be built on a set of APIs. We've seen that with Lyft, we've seen that with Uber, seen that with a lot of companies. What we do is we accelerate their GTM really fast. Developers don't need to spend time on things which they're not core competency of the business. It's still core to them if they don't build it, you know, they might not be able to offer um, new services. I, I think Plaid story is more around the regulatory side, uh, you know, how these big fives or big six in the financial industry are going to have monopoly. Um, it's, it's more on the security side as opposed to on the functionality side of things. Cool. And Ian, does it change your perspective this news? Well, it's, it's certainly something we're watching closely because either way, it's an opportunity, right? So however it lands. So it'll be, it, it, it'll be interesting on what the final result is because it'll affect how incumbents, large incumbents like uh, a Visa or an Amex or a MasterCard think about these spaces. And so do they become um, more uh, aggressive in how they partner? and how they think about protecting data moats. Um, and either way, Rails plays an important role in that space. Um, so, you know, we're gonna to continue to watch it, but it's not something of concern. It's really watching it from the perspective of, okay, what new opportunities result from that decision. Cool, and then the last question, uh, you know, one piece of advice for founders currently looking to raise, given that it's still remote, I was hoping that we'd be actually get, able to get back on a plane and go to the States again, but. Doesn't, I don't know if it's going to be in a month or six months. So 
given the circumstances, what's one, you know, what's the one unique thing that a founder has to think about if they're about to raise right now? You know, um, you want to start with I'll, that? Oh, I'll put it yeah. on the spot. Yeah. From my perspective, uh, start working from a problem end and not from the product end. Okay. Uh, you know, don't 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 sit in in, in in your room or office and build a product and then start go hunting for those customers. Uh, you know, start from the problem end and and then start to peel back from there. I, I think that's a that's the biggest problem that I've seen in the entrepreneurship that to start from the product end and not the problem end. Um, I think that's that's my biggest advice at least. Cool, Ian. I, I would say today, more than ever, it's it's a matter of focus. Do your homework. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs waste time reaching out to us that are non-fintech. We are a fintech fund. If you just took a minute and looked on the website, did a little research, you could deliver a very clear, concise, and cogent message that would get our attention. So, um, listen, there's a lot of money on, on the sidelines. There are a lot of people who understand um, the financial services industry across the planet is changing and needs to change, whether it's the democratization of services and personal financial management or the modernization of technology um, or just driving down, as we believe very strongly at Vestio, driving down that unit cost. We live in a time, and I'll leave you with this, is that the fluidity of data has never been at a greater level that I've ever seen in my entire career. And we finally live in a time where if you think it, the technology really is there, uh, is there to create it and the data is there to enhance it. And, and for us, just like, you know, when we met Derek um, and the team, we look for the, that data chef, that person who sees that we can bring things together in a way that is very different and solves a very big problem. And what we saw across this team was that artistic understanding of bringing these elements together in a very different way to solve a very big problem. And so I would say to entrepreneurs today, focus on the, on the, on the, on the firms that will add value to you, that their thesis lines up with you and deliver a clear, concise message, three C's, clear, concise, cogent, um, and that will help you. I I couldn't agree more with that advice. <laughs> yeah, L know who you're talking to and who you're targeting. Uh, I love it, Ian and Sohib. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I I found this very insightful and very interesting, and I'm sure the audience did.